0: Father, we thank you for being with us this morning, allowing us to gather together in your name. We thank you for each one that is here. And Lord, we pray that this morning we would accomplish that to which you've called us to worship you in our song, in our heart. And Lord, when it comes to the preaching of the word, that we would worship you in obedience to your word. And Lord, the invitation time that not one here would withhold from you what is due your name and your glory. We ask that you would superintend each part of the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be, make it. I love to lead singing. I can do it loud, just not pleasant. Amen. And so we'll be together. And I'm glad the Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord that we can all do. And so let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses here. And most often I like to be able to just take time and spend one passage and go through. This morning we're not going to do that. We're going to be several places in the scriptures. And we're going to use this to illustrate... Basically one verse, and we're starting a new theme on Sunday mornings for the next several Sundays. Not quite sure how long this one's going to go. I've been thinking about preaching a series on listening to God for quite a little while, and every time I get ready to go, uh, two or three more sermons add on to the end of this thing. So we'll see how far this is going to go. If there is one thing we need today, we need to be able to listen to God. How many of you had parents that knew the difference between right and wrong and knew what was going on and you didn't listen? How many of you had that problem at work where the boss told you what to do and how to do it and you didn't listen? We've all been there. And whether we listen or not here on earth, we I mean, we ought to. But I'll tell you, if you don't listen to God, all is lost. But I want to warn you as we start into this series that there's a whole lot of speaking going on out there that's not from God. And if you're going to be able to listen to God, you've got to learn how to tell the difference between what comes from God and what comes from other sources of information. And by the way, the hardest thing not to listen to is the voice that comes from your own heart. That's where we're most often led astray our greatest enemy in this life, in our listening to God, is what comes from our own heart. What is the theme of the world today? Follow your heart. It's always right. Murders, adultery, wars, all come from the heart of mankind. Don't follow your heart. It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Give your heart to Jesus. What did Solomon say to his son? Son, give me thine heart. Rehoboam didn't do that. He did for a while. But I want to challenge you. You can serve God for a little while. But if you truly get saved, that's forever. And so as we look through this morning, it's going to be one of those sermons that I really want you to think about. It's going to be a foundation for what we're going to do over the next several uh, weeks, maybe even months, as we go through this theme of listening to God. And see, God always paints pictures for us in His Word. He always makes things very simple to those who will look in His Word, to those who will not hear with their ears, but hear with their hearts. And so we're going to start here in the book of John, the gospel of John chapter 1, because it says, in the beginning. Now, if you're going to start somewhere, where where is there a better place to start than in the beginning? Amen? And by the way, I just normally don't do this, but Sunday nights, uh, we're going to start a new series on Sunday nights. It's something that We've done before, but it's going to be a little different. It's going to be on how to understand the word of God. If you're a theological student, we're going to do hermeneutics. And no, he was not a friend of mine. Uh, We're going to study how to understand the Bible. And uh, because that's the essence of everything the church is about. This is the only thing that God has given us. And if we do not get into these words and understand what is really being said, that's what listening is, amen? We will find ourselves, as most people do, who go to church on Sunday morning, going through an empty religious ritual, that has no meaning other than the fact that my grandfather did it or my mother did it or my family does this or this is the way we were taught to believe, God forbid that anybody in here should say, well, that's your truth. I'll seek my own. Uh, That's not possible. Truth cannot be owned by anyone. Truth is truth because it is truth. And if you can modify it to fit you, Well, then there's either two things. You're a liar or a politician. Um, Excuse me. Uh, That's synonymous, isn't it? Um, But if you can modify truth, let me tell you something. It's not truth. Thy word is truth. John chapter 1. Let's read together. In the beginning, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You say, why does it say the word was God? You see, God was already before the beginning. And so was the word. That's why it's worded that way so that you know that wherever God was, the word already was The same was in the beginning with God. In case you have any question about what I just said, the second verse identifies it. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Let's do that one more time. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Turn with me now to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1 says, In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 3. What are the first three words there? I want you to read them out loud with me. Verse 3. Here we go. And God said. Do you think there's a connection between and God said in Genesis chapter 1? Verse 3. John chapter 1 verse 3, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Who is verse 3 talking about? It's talking about the Word. Do we get the connection there? Th- this is something that uh, you're not going to get when you turn on the TV Sunday morning or listen to the radio. Because you see, if the Word created everything and God created everything by the spoken Word, there cannot be any agreement between those who would say, well, it all just kind of happened. You know, how many of you know what the Big Bang Theory is? That's what has to happen to your mind to believe that thing. Boom, it's gone. One preacher put it this way. He's a little sarcastic, but I I like it. He He said, if there's any truth at all to the Big Bang Theory, The nation of Iraq ought to be the most developed nation on the face of the planet. Because there's an awful lot of big booms there over the last 20 or so years. But you see, big booms don't bring order. They bring destruction. But when God spoke, the first thing he spoke in verse 3 was God said, let there be light. Where did the light come from, my friend? Do you know that scientists today, in all of our technology, in all of our education, in the great things, we can send a laser beam from here to the moon. We can do all kinds of things with light, and yet we still can't define it. How many of you have heard of the electromagnetic spectrum? You like science. That's, that's where they measure all the different wavelengths of light. Some light you can see, some light you can't see. But how do you take a wavelength of light and cut a hole to thousands of inch, thousands of an inch in uh, tolerance through two or three inches of solid steel. And yet we do that every day. Light's powerful. God said, let there be light and out of nothing light became. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind, nothing will. I mean, if you can't Get Wrap your head around that. God spoke 11 different times as we read Genesis chapter 1 and 2, talking about creation. The Bible says God spoke, God said, and what God said happened. Uh, I want to challenge you that when something is said and something happens in response to what is being said, Something had to be listening. Amen? And I don't know about you, but that that seemed rather profound to me. Because when I go upstairs and tell my children, boys, I want the sty shoveled out. Now that means I want your bedroom cleaned up. And you know what happens? Sometimes nothing. And I'll go back the second time. And I'll say, excuse me. Did you not hear what I said? Were you not listening? Yes, Dad, I forgot. How could you forget that? That was only a minute ago. I want the room cleaned up. Otherwise, bad things are going to happen. Yes, sir. We'll get it done. I want us to see the pattern of listening. God created a pattern in the universe in the six literal 24-hour days of creation. That God spoke, and even if there was nothing there, what God said happened. You see, the Word made everything. God spoke, it happened. This is a foundation. And I know you, you stop and you think about it and you say, Pastor, we're not in kindergarten. Uh, I mean, we're, we're not little children. We, we understand this thought here. But I want to challenge you that just knowing what words mean, actually pro- bringing them into your brain and processing them is not necessarily hearing. According to the word of God. Because if I were to ask the question of each one of us in this room this morning. How many of you know what the Bible said about a certain item in your life? And I I want the Holy Spirit to fill in what that certain item is. You know what the Bible says. And yet you fell short. Or maybe you willfully chose not to do what the Bible said. Now, how many will join me in raising a hand and saying, that happened to me this week? Can we be honest in church? Put a hand up to the Lord just very quickly saying, hey, Lord, I know what the Bible says. But I wasn't listening. See, that's why I want us to spend some time on this. Because this is what we call a worship service. And and I want to challenge you as to read through what happened with creation. All things were created by the word of God. God spoke and the dry land appeared. God spoke in what we now call the universe that we in all of our technology finally think we found the edge of the universe 13.5 billion light years away. Across, I'm sorry. Now light travels at 866,000 miles per second. Does anybody know how many seconds are in a year? I, don't, I didn't do the math before church. I didn't write it down. But traveling at 866,000 miles per second for 13 and a half billion years of seconds. That's what man thinks the universe is measured across. By the way, that's only the diameter. We're not quite sure whether it's round or square. or. And I'm not going to offer any ideas on that. I just want you to understand it's big. And God spoke. And the planets came into being. How many of you have seen those beautiful pictures of those satellites of the blue and the green planets and the rings of Saturn? And I could sit down all day and look at the, the nebulous clouds in outer space and all of the beautiful pictures. God spoke. All of that happened. You know, maybe there's a little more in that little child's prayer. God is great. God is good. Let me tell you, God is great. Eleven times God spoke. His word was completely obeyed. The culmination of his creation was mankind. You're not a genetic accident, my friend. You didn't come from a monkey. Stop acting like it, amen? You were created in the image of an almighty God. But I want us to notice something else. Seven times in this chapter, after God spake and things obeyed and became it says that God saw the obedience to his word. Six times, he said it was good. The seventh time, as he summarized the entire creation, it said it was very good. You see, when God speaks, things happen. And when God has finished speaking, God saw the good that happened because of a speech. How many of you have had the privilege of going to some spot on the face of this earth known for its beauty? Uh, no condemnation on the wonderful city in we live, but everything here is man-made. I love to see what's left over from what God did. I love to see the mountains and the rivers. I love to see the little tiny streams that you could step across. And yet watch all the life forms that are there. I like to take the blade of grass that grows in the cracks of the sidewalk, a weed, and put it under a microscope and see the universe of matter that exists inside that blade of grass, how God takes dust and sunlight and makes the grass grow green. I love green. It's a color of life. But six times, God saw that what he had spoken was good. I want us to understand that is the pattern of God's word. God speaks. What he says happens. By the way, do you think Adam and Eve were really cognizant of all what was going on through creation? It was God who was doing the seeing, my friend. And it was God who was pronouncing what he saw to be good. Now, please don't raise your hands, but I want to ask you a question as we look at this pattern. How many of you have seen something that God did or God allowed to happen and you didn't think it was very good? We've all done that, haven't we? Now, God is not responsible for sin. We're not Protestants. We don't believe in John Calvin. Now, granted, nobody's wrong about everything. Well, almost nobody. God is right about everything. And he doesn't need some human being to figure him out, write him down in a book. Because God's already given us his book. Isn't it interesting that what God left us was his word? Everything that we know about God comes from his word. Now, I want you to turn with me to another passage, Psalm 19. And we will see that the testimony of God's spoken word in creation has a part to play in our lives even to this day, whether we want it to or not. Now, I want to read the entire psalm, Psalm 19, 14 verses. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world in them Hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. My strength and my Redeemer. The testimony of God's spoken word in creation is reflected right here in this psalm to the blessing of mankind. It's interesting. We can talk about any people group in the history of mankind, even the most remotest, uncontacted tribes, and yet what do they talk about? The sun, the rain. The gods, wonder where they got that idea. You see, the heavens declare the glory of God. You cannot look up into the stars at night, you cannot look at the beauty of this earth and honestly not understand that there had to be a creator. You know what the newest branch of science is when it comes to this idea of origins? Is a group of scientists who believe there was a creator, but refuse to name him. Refuse to allow him to be a god. There's got to be, there is so much order. There is so much uh, to this universe that is so mathematically precise that it's, mathematically impossible that it could have just gotten here by chance. It's kind of like what happened in AA many years ago, Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm thankful for every alcoholic that's no longer on the bottle because of the AA program. But just recognizing a higher power is not salvation. Just recognizing there's an order to the universe does not mean you believe in the God of the Bible. You've got to credit what God has done in creation to the person of God. We talk about God. We talk about what He has done. We look down through this list as he goes on and talks about the beauty and the glory of the sun and and the fact that we learn about what is going on just by the order and precision of the universe. But then he changes in contrast verses 7 through 10. The laws, the law of the Lord the statutes, the commandment, the fear, the judgments. Verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. When's the last time you thought about the Ten Commandments as being sweet? We as preachers often make the mistake in preaching the judgment of God. Hey, let me tell you something. God is a judge. But how many of you remember that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness? Morning by morning. That came out of the book of Lamentations as the prophet was looking at the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem and everything he had known. We forget that God is always good. Creation teaches us that if we will open our ears to listen. Aren't you glad that God sends rain on the just and the unjust? You know what? There's some unsaved people living in that town just with the saved people, and God sends rain on both of them. You know why? Because He's good. Amen. He sustains life. And it says that if we'll look at creation and listen to the voice of God in creation, then we'll understand what it is about His laws and His judgments that's good and to be desired. And then they will have a profound effect upon our life. Verse 11, moreover, by them as thy servant warned in the keeping of them is there is great reward. Verse 12, he asked a question that most of us just skip over. Who can understand his errors? You know what the psalmist is saying here. There's a time in every mind of every human being when we think God has done something wrong. But that's not possible. And so instead of trying to understand something we don't understand, let's go back and remember that God is always good. And that obedience to his laws and his commandments is the only safe approach to life. Amen? He ends with verse 13. We're talking about the spoken word of God. Are you listening to God? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. God's words teach us that God is good. Learning His laws and His judgments and His statutes help us overcome our misunderstanding of what God is doing. And then it should direct our thoughts and our intents to where our words reflect his words. That's the pattern of God's word unto blessing. Now, very quickly, I want us to turn to the book of Romans. And just as we see the positive, there is a negative, and God prints it in his word. And we're not going to spend as much time here as we did on the positive, just simply because if you want real uh, affirmation of the negative, get the New York Times on the way home or tune into the news programs this afternoon Or just turn on the radio and listen to what's going on. And the negative is going to be reaffirmed to you over and over and over again. start verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. How many of you have wondered why NASA keeps looking for life on other planets so fervently, so vehemently, that they would send billions of dollars to put a little probe on the planet Mars to look for marks on the rocks that may have said there was water there at one time. Because if they can prove there's life, they think they're going to prove evolution. They just discovered a planet that's just about the same distance from its sun that our earth is from the sun that God made. And they say this planet is suitable for life. I challenge you, they have no clue because not one of them's ever been there. And we couldn't send a space probe to that planet if we wanted to, it's not even in our galaxy. Man grasps at straws. Because he does not want to believe in God. Evolution. All of the science, all of the books that have been written make absolutely nonsense. Except for one thought. If you take the phrase, there is no God, then all of a sudden evolution starts making sense. But if there is a God there's absolutely no sense out of how a fish lived in a pond that dried up and all of a sudden found out it could breathe air and bumped into a tree found out that it could climb a tree and figured out it would be better if it had hair than smooth skin and later on fell out of the tree and decided that the hair and the tail on the end wasn't worth it anymore, and went down and bought a suit and said, now I'm a man. Amen? I, 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 I just don't get that. One of these days, I'm going to find the article and, and bring it in, if it's still in print. Peter, we're going to look for Dino Man, okay? I've talked to him. This was something I saw in the World Book Encyclopedia several years ago, but it was it, it was an old edition, and it had a dinosaur that stood on two feet with a very short tail, and looked very much like a Tyrannosaurus with a bad tailor. And it said that if the evolution of the dinosaurs had continued, they would have gotten smaller and more erect, and became more like man. Uh, I, I just, I got to find that article and bring it in and put it up on the thing if if the person who wrote it hasn't been so embarrassed as to destroy all copies. Uh, it's got to be somewhere. Let me tell you something. Here's what the Bible said before 100 AD, sometime in the 50s or 60s when Paul wrote this letter because that went verse 21 because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image make like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Do I have to spend much time explaining this passage? Who've changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped the creature more than the creator. It's interesting, as we're talking about God's spoken words, words, God was expecting a response. When they understood, when they looked at creation that God had made. Verse 21 says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They refused to look at creation and see that God is good. And the God is great. So where else were they going to go? They're now going to pick things that God has created. And elevate them to deity. And worship them. You see. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. This will be our last verse this morning. And and my prayer is that you will see that everything we have talked about to this point is a commentary on this one verse in the Scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith... It is impossible to please him, talking about God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Say it with me. Faith cometh by, and hearing by, and without him the word nothing was made that was made and God spoke and God said without faith without believing God's word it's impossible it is impossible to please God He gave His spoken word and we can see that written in the universe, in planets and stars and cosmic things that happen. We can see it in the terrestrial, the beauty of this earth and the extraterrestrial, the beauty of the heavens. We can see the results of God's spoken word. And if you'll surrender to that word, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. If you refuse to listen, well, there had to be this great cosmic gathering of matter and it compacted and compacted until uh, the critical point was hit and everything exploded in this huge, the largest explosion in history. And as those Elements were put together and began to cool and begin to slow down in their rotation. We had everything that now is out of confusion. Became. Could I challenge you that it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe in a creator? Would anybody agree with me today? You see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to hear His word. You've got to see what He has done. And that will cause you to approach unto Him. But there's two things about God that you have to do. Number one, you must believe that He is. The second one is the one we make the most mistakes with. And that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Tell you if I hear one more testimony of one person getting up and saying, Look what I gave up for God. I hope God gives me the ability not to do this, but I I just think I'm going to jump up in the middle of it and say, That's a lie. You didn't give up anything for God. Jesus said, if you could gain the whole world and lose your own soul, what do you have? There's nothing good in my life that God hasn't given me. Everything I've tried to do on my own has been a disaster. Everything that God has done has been a blessing. We've got to ask God to teach us to listen. We tell our children all the time you need to listen to mommy and daddy. You need to listen to those that are in authority. If that police officer stops you and says something, you better listen. Solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? But you can listen to everybody else in the world, and if you don't listen to God, you still lose it all. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you cannot see the goodness of the results of the spoken word of God, you're blind. If you're going to come to God, you must believe that He is, that He is God, that there is none like unto Him. He is not one of many. He does not have lesser peers that help Him out. There is only one God, and He is the God of this book called the Bible. and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of people that miss heaven. Not because they didn't seek God, but because they didn't diligently seek God. Not because they didn't know about God, because they refused to surrender their all. To God. That's what salvation is. The Lord. Jesus. Does that mean I'll do everything right? No. I'm sure glad that just because I disobeyed my father, I didn't stop being his son. Amen. Because I disobey the Lord, I don't lose my salvation. but I sure wish I'd listen a little better. Now, this is our foundation for what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks here. You see, the pattern of God's Word, God speaks, obedience, goodness. God speaks, disobedience, cursing, and destruction. But I want to challenge you that in the mind and the heart of those that are being destroyed and that in the mind and heart of those that are being blessed by God and welcomed into His kingdom, that they both think they're doing the best thing. Do you get that? When we get to the book of Judges, we'll talk about every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Nobody sets out to do wrong just because they want to do wrong. This verse here says, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, there has got to be an obedience in the little things, in the things that we don't consider significant, because if God spoke about it, that makes it significant. And we often think that we'll take care of the big things and ignore the little things when all we're doing is making an excuse not to listen to God. I want to challenge you. I've done quite a bit of soul searching before this message and I want to do a whole lot more in the following weeks. And I want each person in this auditorium to do the same thing. Because if we're not listening, we're not obedient. And every one of us in here Could think of some things that we're not listening to God about. We're not pleasing him when we're not listening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord. I pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would allow each one of us in here to think about your word, to pray that you would open our ears, not just so we could hear the sounds and process uh, the syllables and, and, and print the sentences in our mind and say, okay, that's what happened. But Lord... So that we could see faith working in our hearts. So that we could see those rewards that you talk about in this verse. Lord, that we would be willing to open our eyes to our own faithlessness. To our own failures of faith that we would not relegate certain failures to little things and others to great things. Failure of faith is a great thing no matter how minuscule it is. Lord, I ask that you would surrender our hearts, that you would bow our wills, that we would willingly resurrender ourselves that you may tune our ears to listen to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.